podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Cricket Daily. It's Monday, the 28th of June. I'm Andrew Mensel from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast, and I'm joined by Robin Chipperfield, who spent over 20 years at the BBC in um, Nottingham and is now living in Australia. Chippers, welcome back to Cricket Daily. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Good to be with you as usual, Andrew. Uh, Great to have you on. A lot to get through and a lot of it. Uh, a lot of the cricket action originating from your neck of the woods or your old neck of the woods back in the UK. So let's start um, a lot of, I'm calling this the white ball edition of mm. um, Cricket Daily because it's all white ball cricket we're going to discuss. But I mean, let's let's start with the uh, dominant performance by the England women's team overnight. Yeah, very much so against uh, India in Bristol. Bristol's obviously, or I should say, is often a, a quite a difficult pitch to judge. And I just wonder whether India... Um, made some mistakes in judging the pitch in in Bristol. It can be quite slow and low. Um, And they posted a score at India of 201 for eight in 50 overs, thanks largely to uh, Mitali Raj, who made 72. But it never looked like being enough. England completely dominant. They got to the target of just over 200 in 35 overs. So they had 15 overs um, spare in, in the match. Tammy Beaumont making 87, Nat Siver with with 74, both of those unbeaten. But I have some sympathy, as I say, with, with India because I've been at matches at, at Bristol down the years and it, it is very difficult to judge the pitch, I think. Um, so they, they may have thought that 200 was was in the game, but as it turned out, it very much wasn't. That is a great performance by Beaumont and Siver. And uh, with Danny Wyatt being left out of um, the England ODI side, it's a great opportunity for them and they've taken it. Yeah, and I think... The thing is, from an Indian point of view, I think from memory, they were 80-odd for two after 20, 22 overs. And you think, OK, you've laid a platform, go on from here and, and get to 250. And I think that might have been a, a different proposition, albeit England had 15 overs to spare. But I think the mindset would have been different at the start of the, the England innings. I think if you put a score on of 250 overs, you would expect to get beat where, wherever you're playing pretty much, nine times out of 10, I would suggest. Yeah, well, England looking good. And, of course, the, the women's 50-over World Cup taking place early next year in New Zealand. Well, a, a win for England in the T20 stuff, Chippers. They, they won the series against uh, Sri Lanka 3-0. What did you make of that last game? Confirmation for me, really, that <laughs> that England are a really good limited oversight. Um, you could obviously argue whether they're the best in the world, but I would I would certainly have them up there. When you consider who wasn't playing for England in, in that series. The likes of, of Ben Stokes, Josh Butler missed the, the last game. England have shuffled their side a little bit. So you've got, I think, half of a team that might not be in a World Cup team, for example, later in the year. But they've still managed to comfortably beat Sri Lanka. Um, 
and it, and I for me it gives a a whole lot of credit to the work that's been done over the last five years by Owen Morgan and others as well in terms of changing the mindset of English people towards one day cricket and T Twenty cricket. I, you know, there have been times down the years where the World Cup, the fifty over World Cup didn't really register in England because we were so bad at it. There was no build-up. There was very little hype towards a, a World Cup in England. Conversely, in Australia, we used to lap it up because we used to win all of them. Absolutely. And, you know, all of our focus used to be towards the Ashes um, every every couple of years. But I think there's much more focus because England have got a lot better at one-day cricket. I mean, I remember when it was largely said that Broad and Anderson wouldn't play one-day international cricket anymore and that the the feeling was well what what on earth is that about how can you not have broad and anderson in your best one day side now they may argue with this but you know they're a long way away from being in our one day side now and you cannot envisage a situation where either of them plays a even if england got into desperate straits with injuries that they would play a 2020 game or a or a one day game the attitude the mindset is completely different now yeah, do you think England will make a, a good run at the T20 World Cup later this year? I think I think in any other part of the world from where it's being played, I would have them as, as red-hot favourites because of the, the depth they have um, in their side. Uh, and it is a completely different side to what the test side is. I think, you know, if you went back seven or eight years, the one-day side would be very similar to the... Test side, you know, Joe Root would play, would play the same. You know, Alistair Cook played one day international cricket. That wouldn't happen now. Not any reflection on on Cook, who was obviously an outstanding test batsman, but he wouldn't get in the one day side. He'd get nowhere near it now because of the way they go about it. You look down the, the batting lineup, and I looked the other day, and, and Wokes was at nine. Wokes is batting at nine. You've got Adil Rashid as your number 11. Now, He's good for 20 or 30 off 10 balls. He can do that. They bat so far down that they are always going to, I think, always going to rack up big totals. And I think they, they've they got a bit of a blueprint to what a lot of sides around the world, the possible exception of India, but a lot of sides around the world should be doing with, with T20. I look at other sides around the world and I see batsmen coming in at seven and eight, particularly in 2020 cricket for other sides that would, would be at 11 in an England side because they bat so far down. And that gives the freedom to the top six that if they lose a couple of wickets early on, doesn't matter, there's still plenty to come. We can still get 180-200. Yeah, we've really seen a split now across most of the international teams where the T20 sides look radically different from their their mm. test sides. There's a, you know, we'll talk about the West Indies playing South Africa later in the T20 stuff, but that's a, a, a totally different side to their test lineup. And uh, the specialisation of players has just, um, you know, really got increased over the last few years. And I think England's a great example of that. I think if you look, I looked at the other day when England played that final T20 against Sri Lanka, how many of that England 2020 side that played in the final game will ever play test cricket again? Now, I th- Sam Curran will, I think, will play Test cricket. Mm. I mean, there is a possibility that he won't, but I think he he's more likely to play Test cricket in the future than not. Chris Wokes will obviously play Test cricket in the future, particularly in in England and places like New Zealand as well. Johnny Bairstow, not convinced he'll play another Test match. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of Bairstow in in all formats. I think he's a tremendous player, but you could make the case 
that he won't play another test match for England. So that would leave two of the 11 playing test cricket for England in the future. Now, obviously, there's no Stokes in that, that side at the moment, and he will obviously play test cricket in the future. David Malang could play test cricket. <laughs> yes, he'll be winning test matches at Headingley down the years. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but David Milan could could play test cricket in the future. But you can't see that just at the moment. And it's it, it seems to me there's a split around the world. If you look at, for example, um, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, half their side will play test cricket in the future. You look at Australia, Smith... Certainly start Hazelwood, probably Swepson will play Test cricket in the future. Yep. Enriquez will probably right. play a Test match at some point in the future. Matt Wade, less certain. It feels like his, his time has passed, perhaps. But uh, South Africa, De Kock, Bavuma, Van der Dusen, Rabada, Nokia, Ngidi will all play Test cricket in the future, you know, barring serious injury. Um, India, Kohli, Natarajan, Washington Sunder, Pant, Axa Patel. They're all going to play tests in the future. That's half their, their 2020 side. Whether there are other sides, you mentioned the West Indies, I've mentioned England, I'm not sure that the majority of their side will play test cricket in the future. It's a fascinating split. And mm. I, I, it'll be fascinating to see in the 2020 World Cup who has the more success. As it stands at the moment, I would say England, probably India, and as an outside bet, the West Indies. Um would have success in that 2020 World Cup. And the sides that pick a lot of their test squad may not have the success. We shall see. Yeah, very interesting. Also, if you're a young cricketer now, you could really see a pathway where you're just sort of focusing on white ball stuff, Mm. Uh, you know, playing in leagues around the world, then, you know, progressing to your international side. And you're not even worried about playing test cricket. No, which is is the danger Mm. for test cricket, I think, that, that some of the best players will be playing in 2020 franchises around the world and in, in World Cups and for their country. I think that is, a, that is a big danger for Test cricket going forward. Absolutely. Well, staying on the T20 game, uh, moving to a different part of the world, the Caribbean. The West Indies are hosting South Africa in a five-match T20 series. In the first match, the West Indies... In the first match, the West Indies smashed South Africa. South Africa made 160 for six, with Van der Dusen making 56. But the West Indies cruised to 161 for two in 15 overs. Evan Lewis, the star, was 71 off 35. Chris Gale, at the evergreen age of about 45, <laughs> made 32 not out. But in all, the West Indies hit 15 sixes in their reply. That's 15 sixes in 15 overs. Lungi Nagidi copped the pasting three overs, went for 46. And that West Indies side looked so strong in the T20 game when you put in Chris Gale, Andre Russell... Kyron Pollard and Dwayne Bravo. It's a very strong-looking T20 side. But in the second match, the South Africans were able to level the series. The new South African skipper, Temba Bavuma, won his first match as T20 skipper. South Africa was sent into bat. They made 166 for seven. Bavuma made 46 off 33. Hendricks, 42 off 30. And the West Indies slumped to 150 for nine in reply, despite Fabian Allen smashing 34 of just 12 deliveries with five sixes. Boy, they're powerful side. Spinners for South Africa, George Lind, two for 19, and Tubbury's Shamsi, one for 16, were very miserly and kept the West Indies under wraps. That series continues this Wednesday. 
and it's locked at one all. Fascinating little series there. It's brilliant to watch. I love watching the West Indies because it is it's win or bust, isn't it? Basically, they're like a they're almost like a showbiz eleven of of world stars that have have been in twenty twenty. Like the old Harlem Globetrotters. Absolutely, of basketball. and it's brilliant to watch because it, as I say, it's, it's win or bust, um, and they kind of play they kind of play. 2020 cricket in the way that I think the West Indies in the 1970s and 80s, when they were so strong in in Test cricket, in the way that they would have played 2020 cricket uh, back in the day. I think they're brilliant to watch, and as I say, it either comes off or it collapses in a heap, uh, mm-hmm. and that's why they're. I think they're so dangerous because it only takes one of those players you mentioned, the, the Gales or the Russells, the Car and Pollards, to come off, and the game can change in three or four overs. Brilliant to watch. And they're all such experienced T20 cricketers playing the biggest leagues in the world. And this is almost like a last hurrah for that ageing T20 side that won the the T20 World Cup in 2016 against your mob. Yeah. Um, had to bring that up. Oh, it's great to watch. I think they're fantastic. And they, I would have them as likeable outsiders for the, for the 2020 World Cup later in the year. They'll be fun to watch. Um, staying on T20 cricket, I told you it was the white ball edition. We're heading back to the UK. The T20 blast continues. The competition that seems to never end. Alex Hales made his fifth T20 century over the weekend. He finished 101 not out of 56 of 66 balls as uh, Notts beat Lancashire by seven runs. And Ben Stokes made 35 and took four for 27 in Durham's win over Nottinghamshire, your old uh, neck of the woods. Uh, in the- Yeah, I'm not – sorry, Andrew, and that wasn't North – they didn't play not Durham. I don't know who they did play. Was it Northampton. Must be Northampton. Yeah, Northampton, yeah. Yeah, but Hales is, Hales is obviously a, a gun player in 2020. Um, the amazing thing about Notts at the moment, which is very much my, my old stomping ground, is they tied – before this game against Lancashire, they tied three of their last nine games in 2020 cricket. Wow. Which is extraordinary when you think about it. The chances of that happening. Uh, the odds found, must be astronomical. They found different ways of tying the games as well. They were coming from behind and they were grateful for a tie. There were other games where they were leading um, most of the way through the game and ended up tying the game. But to, to tie three in nine, I can't imagine there's a... There's a side around the world that has done that. No, you wouldn't be able to get odds on that either. COVID has reared its ugly head again. So mm. Glamorgan player Nick Selman has tested positive, which, mean, which means Manus Labashain and Michael Nisa have been identified as close contacts and will go into isolation. And also the match referee from the three-match T20 series between England and Sri Lanka, Phil Whittacase, has tested positive as well for COVID-19, meaning all seven match officials will go into isolation, but the ODIs um, coming up between Sri Lanka and England are not affected. Well, a lot of news there, Chippers. Thanks for joining us on Cricket Daily today. That uh, should be another exciting week's cricket. There's plenty going on, isn't there? When you you list all the you know the domestic T20 there is at the moment and the one-day internationals and the international 2020s around the world for men and women, uh, there's certainly a good deal of cricket to watch while people around the world are in various stages of lockdown. That's right. Well, thanks for listening to Cricket Daily, your daily dose of cricket news delivered five days a week. Tune in next episode for another update.
On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.